Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show are my special guests and my friends, Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp. We're going to talk about their latest book, The Entrepreneur's Faces, and we're yet to find out which entrepreneur archetype are you, so don't go away. On this week's tech news, first up, on a crazy story, a Santa Clara sheriff, they've arrested an Apple security manager for trying to sell concealed carry permits for iPad donations. And so as the story goes, it's about $70,000 worth of iPads were promised to the Santa Clara Sheriff's Department if four Apple employees could get concealed carry permits for their weapons. Now, this transaction actually never went down because according to the Sheriff's Department, the attorney, the district attorney actually started an investigation. Um, the, the person arrested has been in denial that any of this is, is true, but I'm sure this is just a crazy story of trying to get CCWs for iPads. In other Apple news, Apple announced that they were going to lower their commissions for developers. This is significant because up until now, since the App Store started, Apple takes about a 30% cut of anything that goes through their app. So you put on, an, you put on Angry Birds, you put on something else, they always take a 30% cut. Compared to Google, when they started, they put out a 15% cut. Apple's now reduced that commission to 15% for publishers who make under a million dollars. It's going to be interesting to see how that drives further adoption of Apple products. My final story for this week is that fraudsters or cyber hackers are now using free Google services in phishing campaigns. And the reason why that is, is they realized with the amount of services that Google puts out for free and the amount of adoption that by utilizing these free Google services, they're less likely to be seen as scammy or as a phishing attack and having their emails blocked. And so by using Google, they have a better chance of getting to their intended target, which is you. So as I always say, cyber hackers continue to get more and more innovative and creative. We got to keep up with them. And that's the tech news of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm super excited to have entrepreneurs, innovators, authors, Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp to discuss their newest book, The Entrepreneur's Faces. Welcome back. Great to be here, Keith. Thanks, Keith. Now, both of you are very well known in the industry for being educators in the innovation space. And so I'm really glad that both of you decided to write this book. I'm thankful that got to receive an advanced copy. So it's really great in the connections and some of the folks actually know in the book. So before we get started about what's in the book, I actually wanted to get both of you to talk a little bit more about yourselves. How did you get started in this industry? Yeah, so I went to Cal Berkeley, actually learned how to program a bit. I wrote for a ton of tech pubs, uh, you know, PC Week, PC World, first editor for Mac Week, this little company, Apple, we used to write about. Uh, I wrote two big books about computer hackers, 
Kevin Mitnick, who had his mug on the front page of the New York Times twice, quite an accomplishment. Uh, and strangely, that led to IDEO. So I then worked with uh, Tom Kelly, brother of David Kelly, on two international bestsellers, um, Art of Innovation, 10 Faces of Innovation. And that experience kind of led me eventually toward my work with Susanna. Um, IDEO is so great at a human-centric approach. IDEO was an innovation company. And, and what happened was in the time between writing those books, and Susanna can tell you more about this, we saw a shift toward entrepreneurs and startups. And we started thinking more in a human-centric way about there might be different kinds of entrepreneurs. Yeah, so let me jump in. Uh, the Yes, entrepreneurship is really exciting. Technology is also one of my big interests. Um, I've always wanted to be around the people who are making new technologies and, and see what people are congregating around. I was at Macworld pre-internet, I think around the same time that John <laughs> was at uh, Macweek. Uh, and then I uh, was actually I was an editor of an Internet Yellow Pages in print, if you can imagine. Uh, it later became a search engine that was bought by Excite. But by that time, I was long gone. I had moved to Wired and I was there among this great group of visionaries uh, the, who are still part of my core community and, and a big part of my identity, my professional identity. Uh, goes back to that time. I stepped out of it briefly to go into education and got a master's degree. And now I'm studying at Harvard, instructional design. Um, but what, yeah, what John was just talking about is so true. I, the, when this entrepreneurship and startup fever took off a few years ago, I uh, really needed to get back into tech and see what was happening. And that's why when we started to go out to events all the time and just meet people and interview them and we collected all these stories of innovation and entrepreneurship on our website and then knew we had to write a book. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I think that's super important in that as I looked at the book and the stories that are in there, the people you chose, what I also really liked was that you were able to put in the intro um, actually talking about the pandemic. So uh, having started my consulting firm five years ago, and as we do do a lot of startup mentoring as well, um, we're finding, and I think that's referenced in the book, is that people have been stuck. And I think with the pandemic, we, we talked about digital transformation, things are accelerating five or 10 years now. And uh, whether, it, it, I don't want to give the book away yet, so we'll talk about it in a little bit, but people are in a state of flux, people are pivoting. Some people have always had that entrepreneur spirit or bug, and they didn't Think about, I don't fit the mold of an entrepreneur. I don't fit the classic example. And I think that's really what was valuable to me in reading the book was that there's so many examples of people with different backgrounds, different reasons why they became an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And um, not all of them are Cinderella stories at first. Right, and exactly. Some, right. Some are struggling. Uh, some are not struggling. Some uh, did well the first time around. Some didn't do well the second time around. And that's really, I think, the... I always like transparency. That's why it really came away from um, part of the book. Yeah, well, Keith, uh, we're glad you that resonated with you. We 
you know, we had this experience as Susanna was touching on where we go to these events. I mean, Susanna actually was the leader between the two of us. She'd go to sometimes two or three a night. Um, and you've been to many of these. We've seen you at a few, um, especially in San Francisco. And we saw different kinds of entrepreneurs there. And, and we started to recognize they were at different stages of their journey, you know, um, or their progress. And we actually loved the international events. And as you know, San Francisco is the international tech city. Um, I, at the same time, was teaching at the University of San Francisco. I had actually some great um, students from Shanghai. I got invited to speak like in Shanghai and Beijing. I started doing a lot of my workshops with groups from mainly China and Europe. And, and we, so we saw this really um, international aspect and we saw that the entrepreneurs were different, you know, from these different countries. And we essentially, there's, there's a first chapter in our book, uh, which is about your awakening. And uh, we had an awakening that, boy, we need to see more of the world. So we jumped yeah, on a yeah. plane. <laughs> so we, we just we didn't want to take the sort of myopic approach that just celebrates only Silicon Valley as this sort of mecca. I mean, it is. People make pilgrimages here all the time to uh, tap into the mindset and to grow their networks. But we wanted to look at some other people and not the hot startup founders from the, just the new, newest batch from YC or whatever. Those were not the people that we wanted to find. Um, we found great people from all over the world, 14 different countries who told us their stories. We, some of them ended up on the cutting room floor, but we <laughs> ended up with 10 uh, archetypes of entrepreneurship. And that's what we wrote the book about. Well, that's a great uh, time to take a pause and talk about those 10 when we get back. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. And my special guests today are Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, who are entrepreneur coaches entrepreneurs themselves and the authors of their new book, The Entrepreneur's Faces. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at info at svin.biz and we'll be right back with more of Jonathan and Susanna. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your hosts, Keith Koo. Insiders, welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with my special guests, Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, and we're talking about their latest book, The Entrepreneur's Faces. Earlier in the show, we talked about their deep experience, not just in Silicon Valley, but around the world, which led to their book. We, they have 10 archetypes of different types of entrepreneurs, and that's what we're going to go to next. So Jonathan and Susanna... You have 10 archetypes in the book, but how does the self-awareness in those archetypes really help people think about their entrepreneur journey? Well, first off, we, we found that there is more than one type. We think that's the first, hopefully, you know, little idea in the book, that, that you can be a different kind of entrepreneur and essentially find your superpower. Um, there are actually kind of like three meta types among the 10, um, and... I, for instance, um, am mainly an athletic type, which might be sort of the all-rounder type that any startup would want to have. You love uh, you love deadlines, like crazy deadlines. You like ambiguity, competition, competition. 
Um, it's the antithesis of sort of a straightforward corporate type. Uh, Suzanne is a completely different type. Yeah, I'm, I'm the maker. I'm the type that we call the maker. I'm always tinkering and prototyping. Uh, this is a classic type. James Dyson of Dyson Vacuum was a maker. He did like 5,000 prototypes before he produced his first product. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite that, <laughs> that diligent. I, I've done our, you know, I do the website and the ebook and uh, the little quiz that you can take on our website to find out which face you are. Um, the uh, just, you're always kind of making things. And I uh, aspire to also be a guardian, which is the type that is sort of more mission oriented and um, has a cause and brings followers behind them. There are a few other types we could talk about. Yeah, and but before we do, Susanna made a very important point there, which is you can be more than one archetype. Um, it is not, uh, it's not predetermined. Um, I, for instance, aspire to be more of an outsider type. And the outsider type is sort of always sort of trying to step outside of their shoes, try to look at, you know, other markets, other parts of the world. Maybe a little later we'll tell you we're doing some things in Europe right now, for instance, uh, along those lines. And so we feel a lot of people will find their type, but they may aspire to one or more, or this is where we start to get toward teams. They may realize they need to partner or collaborate with a distinct diverse type. Thank you. I mean, that really resonates with me as well. Uh, just one quick anecdote. Uh, I was really impressed by Dyson when they developed a new ventilator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was well, incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, Dyson, uh, he actually created 5,127 prototypes to create his vacuum cleaner. Um, and then he had to prototype the business model because no one in England wanted a perfect vacuum cleaner because he had to disrupt the bag part of the vacuum. And there was too much money being made by the middleman, the middle bag men, actually. <laughs> so he found that the Japanese just adored cleanliness in the house. And they were quite happy to have an entirely new model. And it didn't bother them that it was incredibly powerful and worked well. So he actually went to Japan and it took years to come back and succeed in England and then the US. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a great example of, a, of an archetype. Uh, for me, uh, I'm glad you said that you can be more than one because um, many different, or several different ones resonated with me from um, parts of me uh, in terms of how I mentor startups is the outsider in the view. Now, whether I'm an outsider as an entrepreneur myself, I, I guess that's yet to be seen, but that resonated with me. The collaborators, certainly um, in my passion to build ecosystems, mm-hmm. that was something that I th- felt like, especially where we're at now, if, if there's anyone out there who thinks they want to become an entrepreneur and they want to innovate, it's never been easier to figure out the technology piece with the right partners. Mm-hmm. It's really locking down on the business model does it already exist somewhere else? And how are you really going to differentiate? And how are you going to reduce friction? And so I think that was the, a really powerful takeaway for me on the collaborator um, part of it. But I know that uh, well, yeah, we so many good examples of that. Yeah, we guess you're probably also a pretty good conductor. 
The Conductor is a platform builder. Um, you know, a lot of tech, a lot of new startups are about creating new platforms, and they might be a, a niche platform that was ignored, you know, for a long time. But if you serve that well and, and you find the right customers, you can thrive. Uh, another type is the evangelist. We feel like every startup needs at least one great evangelist. Guy Kawasaki's uh, example from, you know, past and present right there. Yeah, the evangelist is super important. You can make all the products you want, but if you can't bring them to market and if you can't talk about them in a convincing way that that convinces not only the, the customer and your investors, uh, but your team that you are going to lead them and that they are going to also support the, what you're developing, then, you know, that's <laughs> you're, and, you're going nowhere. And, and, and we found in some cultures, actually, when we were traveling, that they the, would produce a lot of makers, like tech makers in their out of their economy, right? They have like these great um, tech universities and really deep tech in Warsaw, for example, but they couldn't they'd bring a product to market. Yeah, so we, they all ended, um, end up being kind of like consultants and um, uh, doing the back-end development for U.S. companies and places around the world. It, it's it's a, did you find that as a lack of being able to evangelize their product that was holding them back or was something other? It seemed like they didn't exactly have the marketing and, and sales piece down. Like maybe it wasn't quite as valued in their culture um, I don't want to totally call out uh, Poland. I, I feel like it, uh, the Americans are very good at selling things before they even exist. And <laughs> so <laughs> I think, uh, it's something that people come here to learn. Like, how do you do your self-promotion so well? And that's a, it's a really key point. And so the evangelist is just kind of critical for any team, I think. That is a great point. And, and John, you were about to say something. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, we went to Web Summit, which is a huge conference, um, 80, 90,000 people in Lisbon, Portugal. And we actually did a little sort of test. We went and we must have interviewed like 400 startups. And, you know, I'd say 95% really didn't know how to tell their story. Um, and um, so you see this in Europe. Um, in many other parts of the world. And, you know, the evangelist, we think, has actually become even more important with the pandemic in the, in the crisis, because now you have to do this, you know, online, and you have to learn some new skills, and you have to add sort of technology and savvy to your basic pitch. Um, so there are, you know, certain core types. Uh, we haven't talked about, you know, um, Another type, which is, is very much a Silicon Valley type, the accidental. Um, one of my favorite types, um, there was a geeky guy in San Francisco who moved to San Francisco and he had no friends and he worked for Charles Schwab. And for fun, just as an accident, he started creating a list of events. We were just talking about events. Well, those became popular. Then he had a jobs list. Of course, this is Craigslist. No plan at all to create a company. And we actually believe a good 20, 30% of really hot startups start with an accidental mindset. I agree. What a great example, Craig Newmark. And yes, his story. And his story continues because he's still 
a little bit of an outsider as well. Um, yes. We're going to take, take a pause. We'll come right back because it's uh, really interesting, this discussion on, on these entrepreneurs' faces. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. My special guests today are Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, uh, the authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces, the book we've been talking about. You, you want more information on the book, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. I'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my special guests are Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, world-renowned authors, journalists, and we're talking about their latest book, The Entrepreneur's Faces, and the 10 types of archetypes. And so stick around because we'll find out which archetype are you. So don't go away. On this week's Cyber Tip, I want to talk to anybody, but especially those who use GoDaddy's domain services. And this is really just highlighting how easy it is to trick insiders in your company. So in this case, through various means of social engineering, so meaning that the cyber hackers got some information relevant to your company, they're able to trick GoDaddy system administrators into giving them access to targeted domains. And in this case, they were cryptocurrency related platforms. And although the cryptocurrency platform said that none of the cryptocurrency was actually stolen, these hackers were able to manipulate their domains once GoDaddy temporarily transferred ownership over to them. So the cyber tip is to always be very aware of the data you're giving out. And as you're training your employees, uh, how they should interact. In this case, it's a vendor. So GoDaddy being your website domain administrator But just be wary of any anomalous activity, any weird requests for information, and just know that even though when you try to secure yourself as much as possible, sometimes you don't have control over your vendors. And so it's important when you think about who you're using, what safeguards they have, and to choose your vendor wisely. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with my special guests, Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, the authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces. Early in the show, we talked about Jonathan and Susanna's experience in the Valley and beyond through such organizations collectively as Apple, MacWeek, MacWorld, Wired, and of course, a lot of work has been done with IDEO, the design firm. But we are really talking about these archetypes in their book that they lay out. So welcome back, Jonathan and Susanna. Thank you. Thanks, Great to be here. So I really enjoyed early in the show, we talked about these archetypes. We talked about um, the ones that you and Jonathan and Susanna resonated closely with. I feel like for myself, um, the collaborator, the outsider, the leader, and there's so many more things. And I, again, I appreciated that we don't have to be stuck to just one. Um, I know in the book, we talk a little bit about how we don't want to be another Myers-Briggs, another DISC assessment. And anyone from the corporate world uh, who's had to do these things know what these <laughs> these exams are like mm-hmm. or assessments. So I wanted to kind of shift a little bit in talking about the stories that are contained in the book. And mm-hmm. also um, what I really enjoyed about the book uh, with, with all the deep content, you'd gone through phases of entrepreneurship. You brought up in the beginning that awakening when you feel like you're on that entrepreneurial path. And then we talked about the shift. I wanted to talk about the place and what does that mean? 
Um, so why don't we go start there? Definitely. We, we felt we were in a place. We were in San Francisco. You know, we both have been working there for quite some time, also down the valley. And it was a hot time. You know, it started getting really hot. 14, 15, 16, you know, 17, 2017. And we started to recognize this concept of place. We, I actually believe place moved a little bit from the valley up towards San Francisco um, because it became more about startups, because it became younger, became more entrepreneurial and became more international. Um, and so we wanted place to be one of our seven sort of stages of an entrepreneurial journey. And they're not all, they don't all happen like consecutively. And um, I'll let Susanna talk about what happened next, because as we discovered San Francisco, we wanted to explore other places. Yeah, we wanted to see where people were coming from. We knew that they were also launching startups in their own countries. And in some cases with a lot of government support. Uh, for example, in Estonia, which we visited, the government does a great job of actually promoting startups for people. They have something called the E-Estonia Showroom, where they have all these uh, displays and, and uh, digital panels showing all the startups that you need to know about if you're visiting the, the country and maybe you want to invest. <laughs> um, we went, of course, to Paris, to the massive... Um, Station F and um, learned quite a bit from a lot of people there about what the the government and companies do to support entrepreneurship there. So it's, it's definitely a big trend around the world. It's not just in the U.S. But at the same time, we feel like, yes, it's still, it, there's still a value in being here in Silicon Valley uh, in terms of the, just the, the network factor. Um, I think, I think people do kind of care where you you are to some extent, where you're, where even if you're working from home, <laughs> there's a certain cachet to being here. Um, uh, at yes. the same time, I'm, I'm totally happy to um, have a new uh, playground really for like digital communication. It's one of the things that I've been studying in education now that we can distrib have distributed educa education um, yeah, I think one of the things the pandemic has helped is you can now definitely have two places or three places. So our prime place is here. We're, you know, close to San Francisco because we think the world will become hybrid at some time. You know, we will get to see you again, we hope, before too not long in, in the same place, safely, maybe at first. Right. So if you're in a place you can meet people, it's easier to set things up. But at the same time, we went really international. We now are entrepreneurs in residence um, in Portugal. And it just happened during the pandemic because this company was so entrepreneurial. We were working with, we've done workshops there. And so we have a lot of calls, you know, it's seven in the morning <laughs> uh, where it's, you know, it's eight hours later in Europe, right? And we find it's great. So we really encourage people to sort of be proactive about their place or places. And we think you tend to build hubs. My third place is Asia. I have a great partner I've done some work with. We did um, 
a, a big giant, you know, a webinar for, it was 22 Asian nations, you know, we had a, like 700 people. The only trick with doing that is then you have to work at seven in the morning and also at 10 at night. <laughs> but we think there's really an exciting thing about figuring out your place. It's kind of your second archetype in some way. Um, one of our favorite characters in the book is uh, Risto Ladomaski, who is Finnish. And he just knew in his gut after doing some work here that Palo Alto and in fact, University Avenue, a street would be his place. And he went from being a tiny design firm to 150 UX design firm to being bought by Capgemini because he mastered his place because he did really inexpensive work for startups that became huge and turned into like millions of dollars of business. So thinking strategically about your place may be one of the biggest things you can do as a startup. I think it's really sage advice. I can definitely see what we talked about a few minutes ago, the shift uh, from Silicon Valley proper into San Francisco, especially after the 2008 financial crisis. And as um, a lot of millennials decided to jump in and wanted to be um, not just in a tech hub, but wanted to be where there was uh, culture and museums mm -hmm. and other things that were more broadly accessible in the San Francisco area than, than say Silicon Valley. And then now with that startup culture, cause you had Uber, Airbnb, Twitter, sure. um, list goes on and on and on. The pandemic really is interesting because so many companies, again, Twitter is one of them that said, you don't have to be here anymore if you don't want to. You can not, you don't have to be here for work. You can be here because you choose to be here, but you, that's not because of work. That's not your anchor anymore. And that really does redefine this whole concept of place. And then where I think a lot of people were relational beings, we want to be face-to-face uh, -face with somebody that's not possible the pandemic. That actually broadens our mindset even more uh, to have an international a unique view, not just domestic, but international, because now we can actually interact through web platforms. And it's there's no stigma to that because that's the way it has to be. Great. And you said a really important word that I'd like to hear more from, you know, other people is culture. And we feel that really smart startups and tech firms have to be building a new kind of hybrid culture that is going to have a lot of new digital remote aspects and it'll eventually you know have a lot of physical ones as well and we're doing some work in that in that vein in Europe and um, a mutual friend of ours is uh, Alan Young who's in the book he is our archetype we call the leader and Alan was always um, wanting to learn about leadership and he actually got into Seth Godin's early alternative alt MBA program, one of just a handful of people. He got into why uh, Combinator, not so much because he thought the startup would succeed because he wanted that experience. And then of course he created a great accelerator in San Francisco, Runway, you just mentioned Twitter, right? It's in the Twitter building, you know, he, he later, he built this all up and in these accelerators and in these great environments, there's culture and there's, you know, a process for a startup to grow and get, you know, mentors like yourself. And I think that's a big thing that's in flux right now. And we're, we're having to see evolve. And the companies that 
that master this sort of new culture and these new ecosystems that will be much more digital, right? I think are going to excel. Great point. Uh, before I forget, how do we get your book? Uh, it's on Amazon, The Entrepreneur's Faces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. You can just look that up. Uh, we also have a great website, theentrepreneursfaces.com. And on that website, you can get the links to the book, and you can also take a quiz to find out which type you are. So, Jonathan, Susanna, thanks for being on the show today to talk about the book. Don't go away because we're going to talk about your thoughts and predictions for the future on The Pivot. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. My special guests today are Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, the authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces. You can find it on Amazon. You can always go to our website, svin.biz, to find out more information. And we'll be right back with The Pivot. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 888 828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. Had a great show today with Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, the authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. Jonathan and Susanna have a very rich history here in Silicon Valley uh, being here during the dot-com era and actually as innovators themselves and startup mentors seeing the transition. And that's what their book is really about. How do you get started in entrepreneurship? What is your archetype? There's different types that you can be and you can be a combination. And now we're going to talk about what they see is coming out on the horizon. We've talked a lot about the pandemic. So thanks again for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. So what is it that you think is we're at? I mean, you talk about you talk about the awakening, how you discover your entrepreneur spirit. You talk about the shift. And as you move towards that, how do you find your place? So where does all that head? What do you think is happening next? Well, there's been some great data recently. The Economist had a, a huge article about how there are more sort of high propensity companies which include, you know, more creative businesses, more risky business have been started in the last few months than in the last 15 years. So you referenced this earlier in the talk, you know, some people are sort of sitting on the fences, not sure what to do. It's clear that um, individuals and startups and in ordinary businesses are so much more entrepreneurial now because they have to be. And we think there's going to be an even bigger push, you know, in January. Yeah, and I would add to that that um, one of the key things, uh, if I could give a little advice, is to learn how to tell your story. Uh, one of the things that I really like as a as a writer is to be able to amplify people's stories, to sort of hold the microphone for them so they can get their message out there, and and that would not have happened in this book if the people that we had spoken to and, and ultimately chose hadn't been such great storytellers. So they were all kind of evangelists in their own right. Uh, they made their stories interesting to us so that we could make them even more interesting to everyone else. Yeah, I add to that, you know, we talk about a journey. They're actually, um, depending on your success, there are seven stages potentially. For an entrepreneur, you get up near the end, you get to a test, and maybe you scale to some degree, and you actually have different stories at different times during this journey. 
And the first story you actually have to tell to yourself to to get off the couch and to awaken. <laughs> and then, you know, the second stage is shifting where you actually are starting to do tangible things, right? And then pretty soon you're you're having to create a team and you have to convince people to join our team. I, yeah, tell the story to the team. What, one of my favorite stories in the entire book is this brilliant physicist who uh, is an accidental entrepreneur and he had a great new AI method to learn languages. And he was at Techstars um, like the day before the final pitch, before all the investors. And in front of 50 people, he had a panic attack and collapsed on the stage. Oh, no. <laughs> um, now, this guy is a genius, right? He's a, he's a, he was a physicist at, Stern, at CERN. So he went to like Speaker's Corner in England and he said, screamed, you know, at his colleague to get it right. And he came back the next day and he nailed it. And he said to us, if he hadn't done that, the company would have never happened. He had to convince his team even more than the public. And I want to just summarize all this because it's been great to have both of you on the show today. And I, I think what's happened, and I've had um, guests recently, like Steve Cadigan, the first uh, head of HR for LinkedIn, and he had talked about the future of work. I've had Alan Linewan, the head of engineering at Slack, talking about the future of work with all slightly different take. But we're at a real, real inflection point in how we work, not just because of the pandemic. I think we're seeing, because of the pandemic, there's layoffs, but there's very seasoned people. I happen to, I talked about it um, a few months back, I happen to be the creator of the Cisco Alumni Facebook group. It's never existed before. And Cisco is one of my favorite former companies, and it's grown to 5,000 people. I bring this up because there are a lot of people that have been at a company like Cisco 20, 25, 28 years. And it's not that they need the work necessarily for the financial gain, but they want to work on their passion or their project. And, you know, if you've been at one company like a Cisco for that long, you might not realize how fast innovation happens now and how fast if you have an idea, because it used to be, we, we talked about how much we, technology we had to create during the dot-com era and that was a lot of money. But now if you have the right mentors, folks like yourselves, Jonathan, Susanna, or what I do, um, the technology shouldn't be the inhibitor. It's the business model, the idea, and the team, and the coaches and the mentors. And if you have all that, uh, also being sure to pick up the book, The Entrepreneur's Faces. And I'm not just shilling. I, I mean, I really think this book is very valuable. I, I think um, the other book I would say is The Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. If you're a budding entrepreneur, uh, I'm just going to finish this. You definitely need to get this book because it'll help you get unstuck and help you progress. And I think that's the reason why, uh, Jonathan, you and Susanna wrote this book. Yeah, we, we think it's a great time to be entrepreneurial in many aspects. You hit on a huge one. We think, you know, individuals and teams need to be a lot more creative and proactive about creating this new culture, this new way of working. Um, there are better tools. You know, there's companies like huge companies like ServiceNow creating good tools. But there's a whole other human level that, that we're dealing with, like, you know, how you get other voices in the room, how you really brainstorm, how you get some of the human element we miss so much uh, by not being in person. And we think a lot of innovation is coming 
Um, and it will allow us, as you say, to be more international, to be more nimble. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. We wrote the book to celebrate the entrepreneurial <laughs> mindset and to really show people what a exhilarating ride it can be. So, so I'm going to have the, uh, such a compelling discussion today. I'm going to have to have you both come back because we're out of time. So thanks again for being here. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Jonathan Littman and Susanna Kemp, the authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces. Uh, we have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 